broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. You know, there's enough credit to go around right now. Uh, but again, I'm not going to stand up here. I don't have enough time to do that. Mike's doing a good job. Uh, his staff is doing a good job. Our coaches are doing a good job. Everybody's got a hand in it. And, um, you know, obviously uh, some of the players that, that have been brought in here uh, have, ba- have paid huge dividends, but we got a long way to go yet. Everybody is doing their job. First of all, welcome to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It's a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And Lincoln Kennedy, um, you know, doing texting around on on Sunday night after the Raiders' big win over the Steelers, um, that was the feedback that I was getting. It's not just one or two guys getting the job done. It's a bunch of guys that are contributing, a bunch of guys that are playing good, um, a bunch of guys that are rooting for each other, a bunch of guys that have been putting the work in going all the way back to last off season. Um, it's, it's a collective effort and those it's always the best teams that get that kind of an effort collectively. And right now it's paying off for the Raiders. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Vinny. How are you, bud? I'm doing very good. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you know what? You know, to, to your point, uh, yeah, it's it was very worthwhile. It was a great game, obviously. You know, and you know the schedule makers didn't had it out for us. They didn't give us any do us any favors. I mean, play Monday night and then you go back to Pittsburgh and play on a short week, an early game for a West Coast team. It's not a, it's not like the schedule makers did us any favors. But I will say this: the, the Raiders did come out on top. Now, you know, the the concern is you know from where it's from where, where we go from here is. Um, Man, we we got a lot of people injured. We got a lot of people banged up, and it's mm-hmm. and it's not going to get any easy, especially when you talk about the defense coming in there. So I'm not going to I'm not going to be Donnie Downer on the win. I'm definitely and appreciate the win, but looking forward, there's still they got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of work to do, and it's not going to be it's not going to be easy if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, here here's the thing. I agree with you. There's a lot of work to do. There's 15 games left to play, and starting with Sunday uh, at Allegiant Stadium against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and yes, injuries are, are you know, wreaking some havoc, playing a role. Uh, injuries are happening all over the league. Um, what I felt about this team from the, going all the way back uh, to training camp and OTAs is the depth is so much better this year, Lincoln. Now, there's, there's always a breaking point. Every team has a breaking point in terms of its depth. Um, right now, the Raiders haven't gotten there. Right now, in fact, their depth has helped save them. The depth yes. that they created. Um, with all the moves that they've made and young guys getting better, all the, the whole nine yards um, has put them in a good position to deal with, you know, some of the adversity that they've hit in terms of the injuries. Secondly, um, there's no doubt that the Raiders are, are right now working um, from a recipe book that's a little bit different than what John Gruden normally likes to work with. Um, the run game hasn't been there for various reasons. Josh Jacobs is banged up. The offensive line can't get any continuity because guys are getting hurt. They're back. They're 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 you know uh, with their their two backup guards to start the season are starting now. Alex Leatherwood goes down on on Sunday against the Steelers, so there hasn't been any continuity right now on the on the offensive lines. Right. But but here's where it's so different now compared to years past. 
usually any little thing, any little adversity, any little you know, little bit, slew of injuries or something important like the run game gets taken away, forget about it. The Raiders were not equipped to deal with that. The run game is is not working right now for various reasons. That's okay. You've got Darren Waller. You've got Henry Ruggs. You've got uh, Hunter Renfro. You've got Foster Moreau. You've got Brian Edwards. You've got Kenyon Drake, who you can utilize in a you know in a short passing game that can somewhat replicate a run game. You got enough, and you plus you got a great quarterback in Derek Carr that says, "All right, we, we don't have a run game right now. It's fine." We'll, we'll do it this way right now until that run game joins the party. And they're able to do that, Lincoln. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they've been, they've been equipped to use the pass like the run that various offenses have done and, and I've seen. So they're, they're making do with that. But I agree with you. Derek Carr is playing well. And, you know, look, the thing about the run game, and I've tried to explain this to various uh, mediums that I've talked to over the last couple of days, is it takes time, as you mentioned, to build that continuity and that cohesiveness amongst the guys. The, the, because you've inserted so many guys in and out, and they haven't had a chance to practice together, let alone play together. It's timing. That's why working together, you know, the, the, the most difficult part of a team is having all five of the offensive linemen be on the same page all the time. That's yep. the hard part. So, but for, but for what it's worth, I mean, Derek has made clutch plays. And I say that to me, the biggest difference from years past is that now the Raiders have a defense. They have a defense exactly. that plays. And they have a defense that's playing well together. And even when, you know, the guys were cramping up uh, and, and, and Hayward went down, you know, and stuff like that, Damon Arnett came in and played well for the, for the spell. Yeah, he, he gave up a, a big, long play. And he has to remember that this is not college. So when a receiver right. goes down, you got to make sure you touch him. But, you know, that's a, that's a mistake that's, that's, that's coachable. But, you know, we saw substitutions on the, the, in the secondary. Um, I sure hope that, that Dalen Levitt is okay. So waiting to get enough update on him probably tomorrow but um you know things like that Trayvon Moore played a little bit better still has to work on his angles but we knew that we knew that coming right in. so the the defense has played better and that's the difference maker to me i not we always knew that that Derek was a good quarterback we never took that away but he's made some clutch plays but the defense has has definitely made some plays and it, it really looked good to watch Derek spread the ball around this past week, and and right. and, I know, and not you know not overdo the targets because we were all critical of him uh, the way he treated Waller on Monday night, but spread the ball around and it paid off for him. So that builds confidence not only in the receiving core that he has in his mind, but more importantly that the receiving core built, that builds confidence with Derek because now they know that they they're open. He's going to go to him without question. And getting back to Damon Arnett, I'm with you. Um, a lot of people, you know, he got fire. I know he 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 had a bonehead play. It was a brain freeze. He forgot the rules for a second uh like like lincoln says that's coachable i doubt that'll ever happen again but also lincoln you know he makes two pretty decent plays yeah. uh, in some pass coverage earlier in that game and even on that play the long it was a 50 50 ball he was yeah. actually where he needed to be yeah. it was just a great play by yeah. the wide receiver some right. people on twitter felt he pushed off so it wasn't horrible by right. any means so even he did come in um you know and uh and, and make a contribution when some injuries uh, came about. And that's what we're talking about with the depth. Damon Arnett, you know, you could call him whatever you want, um, you know, in his second year, not starting as after being a first-round pick last year. You know what I call him, Lincoln? A pretty damn good depth piece off the bench. Like, it's, it's Casey Hayward is just a better player, period. Right. So it, there's no crime in that. There's nothing to be ashamed in that. But as a second string defensive back that can that has to come in sometimes in emergency situations and when they go to a dime set, you know, he'll come out there. Not a bad option to have 
Um, you know, forget getting caught up in was he a bust? Was, should he have been picked 19th overall? Uh, you know, did the Raiders reach? Who cares about that at this point? At this point, if that's your depth, is that if that's your third or fourth cornerback, that's not really that bad. That's no, it's not, pretty- and it's actually better because they're they're using them the right way. They're they're putting him in press coverage, which he was accustomed to at Ohio State, what he did most of his career. He didn't have a chance to do last year because it was a disaster on defense. So you know they're putting him in the right spots, and they're putting him you know and 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 ideally putting him the way he's supposed to be utilized. So that's a good feeling too. And along the way. You know, you're hoping the Raiders are that along the way he develops into the player they wanted him Certainly. to be or thought he was going to be yeah. down the road. But in 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 this way, um, he could do it at a gradual pace. You don't have to force feed it. You don't have to put him in there just because you've got Casey Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> you've got Trayvon Mullen who's playing well. Um, it's a good situation to have. I want to get back to Derek Carr, um, Lincoln. Uh, I wrote a story today. Uh, statistically, Derek Carr is playing among the top, among the top quarterbacks in the NFL. So we had a little fun with it. Is Derek Carr right now, as we speak, this minute, this second, the best car, the best quarterback uh, in the NFL? You could go read the story. Um, you could download the app Vegas Nation or, or check it out at VegasNation.com. Full disclosure: No, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I think that um, there's an exclusive group. Uh, that that are the best at any given time, and they're unto themselves. And I would put, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes in that category. Maybe Josh Allen. Um, maybe you know, uh, at times Lamar Jackson. He does it in a different way, but he's pretty darn good. Um, you know, and Tom Brady. Obviously, uh, uh, he's kind of showing his age a little bit. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. Okay, um, but other than that, after that, to me, there's and, and I was talking to Dan uh, Orlovsky from ESPN, the former NFL quarterback, about this today. After that, there's a group from about six to fifteen that are really, really good quarterbacks, Lincoln. Very good quarterbacks, very good players, who they may not be transcendent in terms of they can make other players around them so much better or pull everyone with them. Um, but if you put the right play callers, the right coaching and enough good players around them, they can absolutely be top 10 caliber quarterbacks and get your team really far. Derek Carr, to me, is not only in that category, and he's showing that right now, he's always been in that category. It's just that the Raiders, for the most of his time here, have not put the necessary pieces around him. We're starting to see with a complete team, with a full assortment of weapons, what this guy is capable of doing, Lincoln? Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's look. We've got a sample size of two games. Okay, so we're not. It's going not to just two games. He, well, I mean, I'm just talking well about. Yeah, no, I, I agree, but I'm, that's what I was going to go into. I okay. said the last time that I saw Derek play as well was I think it was it was 2016 when he was on pace. I thought you could put him in the MVP conversation. Right. Okay, that was 2016 before okay. he got hurt. Okay, now and during that season, I mean, he had 28 uh, touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, I'm looking at the, the uh, looking at the numbers right now, and had an overall rating of 96.7. Last year, he finished the year with an overall rating of 101.4. Right now, he's at 104.1. Right. I think that Derek has already has has long time has proven that he's a quarterback who's capable. Yes. And surrounded with the right things, yes, he can, he, can, he can do some things. The transition or difference this year is that because they have a defense, it's probably not as much pressure on him to have to go out there and score all the time. I mean, we saw Gruden in this past game where might not, last year might have been a case where they, you know, they just took field goals. 
See yep. what I'm saying? That might not have been the case last year because he knew how porous the defense was holding up, but he trusted. And I think Derek can make those clutch throws. He's that, he's that type of quarterback. And it's still a big question mark for me, for me Vinny, because it, once we get to the second part of the season, mm-hmm. I want to know if this team can finish as strong as they've started. We've seen these starts before. We got to see if they can finish, and if he can finish down the wire. If he doesn't become too predictable, or if he doesn't, um, if the offense doesn't get a little stagnant, um, we saw the second half collapse the last two years. Now we got to see how it's going to go this year. But I definitely think he's a capable quarterback. Always have. Yeah, uh, and I'm, we're in full agreement on, on that. And and you know, it's it's interesting because um, Derek has 12 passes of 20 or more yards. That's tied for the most in the NFL with a guy by the name of Tom Brady, um, and. You know, talking to uh, uh, Dan or Orlovsky about this, you know, it's ever since I took over this beat, um, you know, a couple of years ago, all I kept hearing was Derek is unwilling to throw the ball downfield. Derek is is scared to throw the ball down downfield. Ever since Derek got hurt, he's been reluctant uh, to sit, hang in there and throw the ball downfield. I've always contended, Lincoln, and you know, I've talked to people that you know, I just we'll just leave it at that. It was never. I, Derek Carr has never lost confidence in throwing in his, his ability to throw the ball downfield or uh, the gumption to stand in there and throw it downfield. Okay, what happened was Derek Carr, for for better or worse, and I, I tend to agree with him on this one. He didn't have confidence in who he was, who, who what the options were downfield to throw to. Okay. And so, and, and, and here's, here's how Orlowski brought it up as a quarterback. He's like, Vinny, when I go play pickup basketball, nobody's throwing me an alley-oop. You know why? Because I can't dunk the ball. So what's the point of throwing me an alley-oop if I can't dunk it? If you as a quarterback have no confidence or little confidence in the other guy to go make the play when you throw it long, what's the point of throwing it long? Especially if you're not going to, if you're overlooking somebody that's open in the process. So the ball went other places because Carr never really had the confidence in the options to throw it long with. Now with Henry Ruggs and that chemistry developing, obviously Darren Waller when the opportunities are there uh, as well, there's more confidence not in himself to do it. He's always known he could do it. He always had the arm strength to do it. It's the other guy. It's Henry Ruggs being able to Go chase it down a ball like he did yesterday or be where he needs to be or Darren Waller or I think Brian Edwards is ascending yeah, into Cole. that level mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, again, is is Derek Carr a transcendent talent that's going to carry a team by himself? No. But if you put the necessary pieces around him, he can make every throw that you need him to make uh, and, and play a capable enough quarterback or a high-level enough quarterback to get you where you want to go as well. Yeah, well, I, I, it goes back to the age-old question. You know, does the quarterback make the receiver? Does the receiver make the quarterback? Yeah. You know what I mean? So the Probably thing 50-50, is, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, when and speaking of 50-50 balls, I remember when Michael Crabtree was a part of the team, there were a yeah. lot of 50-50 balls because Derek was confident that there, either was a yes. back, back shoulder throw or a 50-50 ball that Crabtree would go up and fight for it. When they got Amari Cooper, he dropped more 50-50 balls than I can remember that was in his hand because they were trying to stretch the ball, stretch the field um, with him. And you know, one of the reasons why they ended up like trading him and letting him go. So I agree with you, but it was it was very refreshing 
refreshing to see Derek really stretch the field. Not only, you know, they use their 13 personnel. He, he did it with his tight ends when they had all goal routes and, and the seam routes, and he's done it with Brian Edwards. Now you see with Henry Ruggs III, it's great that he, he's a quarterback who can recognize coverage. So when the, the Baltimore Ravens gave him zero coverage, there was nobody in the hole, and he saw that. That's why he was able to throw that long touchdown pass to Zay Jones. You see what I'm saying? There's no safety mm-hmm. in the hole. And even last, last game against Pittsburgh, when he saw uh, Michael Fitzpatrick sort of eyeballing Darren Waller because that's where they thought they were going to go with the football, he knew he had Henry Ruggs on the angle route in the backside, and he threw it up. I mean, that is a trust. That is a chemistry that's, that has been in the making for some year, but I think he's more more comfortable now, especially seeing the way they came out of this past game uh, going forward. Without a doubt. Uh, out to the Raider Nation listener line, Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good. It's great to talk to you guys again. And, of course, the professor ended up uh, stealing my word for the day, which is cohesiveness. <laughs> so uh, he got to it before I did. But the, really the question is, is, do you recall, Lincoln, anytime you were playing and you were losing a star for a number of games, like Jacobs is now, that – you ended up having to develop that cohesiveness. This next man up, of course, we know that when all these other injuries happen. But there has to be a cohesiveness, and not only on the offensive line, but in the defense, too, where everybody on the entire team is going to have to pick up their game a little bit. And as all teams do throughout the seasons, uh, as the season goes along, but it's whoever kind of does that the fastest becomes the one that's really tough to beat. And I just didn't know if you had any recollection of uh, – you know, losing a star player and it changing or advancing the cohesiveness uh, of a group. I, you know, it's a good call. Thanks for chiming in. Um, I would say this. I, I don't recall an exact moment or when, you know, we lost a star player, how things would be. But I will say this. Knowing the running game the way I do and knowing this running game as intricately as I do, right now the, the, every running back, Vinny, has a different style. Jacobs runs different from Drake, runs different from Barber, so on and so forth. So everyone has a different running style, and everyone has a strength of running style they can run to. What the Raiders need to fit, what the Raiders need to find out is they need to work on that chemistry because for however long Josh Jacobs is out, and he's a starter, that they have to understand how Peyton Barber runs or Kenya Drake runs, and they have to and their and their core runs, and they have to see what they do well. But most importantly, what didn't happen on Sunday against the Steelers is that the Raiders didn't control the line of scrimmage. The timing was off on their runs. There was way too much penetration. Now, I know you're going up against guys like Cameron Hayward, some big guys up front, but if John Simpson, Jermaine Luminor, and these guys are going to have any success, they have got to control the line of scrimmage. Even, even Andre James, the center, you can't get pushed back, especially on zone runs. And even on the power runs, when they were trying to close out the game, they were running power. They were running power left, power right. Now, what that does is you pull the backside guard to help lead your, your running back in the hole. You have your fullback kick out, your backside guard pulls around. But if you get, if any one of those places, uh, pieces get penetration, that it bumps the guard off. So now you don't have a lead blocker. So in a lot of those runs on Sunday, Pittsburgh was making the running back cut in the backfield, which is never good. And that's why the runs were unsuccessful. I called out one time when they got a first down. Peyton Barber ran it. And he got, I think, got like 13 yards or 11 yards, got a first down. The best blocked power they have done. I've seen them do. And it was that one time. It did not happen anywhere else. So going forward, when we're talking about chemistry and cohesiveness, you know, these offensive linemen have got to learn how to play together. Have le- Brandon Parker has now, if he's going to be the, the starting right tackle next week, because we don't know what the status of, of Leatherwood is, it, he's got to learn how to block with Jermaine Illuminor. 
He's got to, and, 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 and so on and so forth across the board. If this is going to be your starters going forward, you've got to know how to do it. And the, th- the big thing, it doesn't matter if you call man-blocking schemes or, or zone-blocking schemes or area-blocking schemes, you have got to win the line of scrimmage. In the past two games, they haven't been able to do that. Yeah, um, and, and it's interesting that learning along the way and being able to win in the process, that makes things a little bit easier to, to digest. But no uh, I want to talk to you specifically uh, about two players, and that's Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. Um, and I know that you know the, the two guards uh, need, need to settle in a little bit uh, better as well. But what's, your, what's been your assessment of Alex Leatherwood and Andre James so far? Okay, so I think Alex Leatherwood got a very, uh, a very good lesson Sunday. Uh, especially in the beginning of the game. I did not like the way uh, they, they kind of left him out to dry when they wanted to go empty backfield and didn't want to give any help on T.J. Watt. And it was almost disastrous, the one that T.J. beat him and, and caused the fumble. It could have been disastrous, especially the way that T.J. came down on Derek's arm. I mean, I was, I was cringing at that moment. So I didn't like the way they kind of hung him out to dry. They learned from that. They, 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 from that point on, they started going a little bit more max protection and shoring up the protection to help out and chip stuff like that, even though he wasn't in the game. But they learned from it. Um, Leatherwood had a very valuable lesson. He played against a very crafty rusher who has a low center of energy in T.J. Watt, and he has a great power rip move. That's one of his best moves, and it's one of the hardest things for a tackle to stop because as a big guy, it's hard for you to get under or get down low enough to be able to deflect or direct someone's energy when they come with that power rip move that he used in Buffalo where he got a strip sack and, uh, and he used it again in, in uh, the, 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 the Raiders game. Um, and then he went to Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram, he was with the Chargers, so a lot of Raider fans know about him. Um, oh, yeah. He has he, he's resorted, much like Justin Houston did in the Ravens game, to power moves. He's going to bull rush you. So Alex Leatherwood had a very valuable lesson two weeks in a row with veteran guys who are going to try to run through you or spin under you. And um, this is this is key for him, pushing forward, because I've always believed, especially for offensive line, got to be trial by fire. You got to see it. You're not going to duplicate in practice, so you got to see it in games. Um, and and he did. I thought he he held himself pretty, handled himself pretty well. Jermaine Illuminor did well in the past pro as well, especially with the things that he was going up against. Uh, what I liked most about him uh, in the game was how they passed off their 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 stunt games from the defensive line. How they did and how they maneuvered that. I thought that was really good chemistry moving forward. So those were valuable signs. I think John Simpson again played better in the pass pro than he did to run blocking. He's got to learn that. He's got to learn how to move by deflect people a lot better and he, he gave up his chest way too many times uh, to those to those little bull rushers and they were pushing him back in the backfield on the run so he's got to get better leverage when he runs but all in all I mean it's a lesson moving forward Colton Miller solid Andre James another one who's got to I think he's got to put some he's got to put some weights in his in his pants because he's got to, he's got to drop that ass a little bit more he's playing high so um, all in all I think it's a valuable lesson taking on these two physical defenses two weeks in a row pushing forward yeah, uh, absolutely, and I think it's you know it's 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 I think getting Richie Incognito back. We'll find out what his status is, uh, or have a better idea of what it is uh, tomorrow. I think I think that helps. But um, this was a group that I think everybody understood, Lincoln. It was going to take some time. You've preached it for so long that what what that group needed more than anything else, probably more than any unit on the team, was playing time together. Now. Yep. 
it's been a little bit sabotaged because of the injuries, uh, but you got to keep rolling forward and, and, and make the best of it. But at some point, especially when they get Richie Incognito back, they can get settled down uh, and, and move forward together. And I think they will get better. I think Leatherwood has already shown some progress uh, already yes, in, yes. in two games. So, um, but just got to stay on top of that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila and Bachner, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Benny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Benny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, usually that's what happens. You know, we usually when a coach comes in, he tries to bring in a couple guys that he had been with in the past. Um, getting a guy like Perryman is huge for us. He had another 12 tackle day yesterday. He's a hell of a player. He just has had some ups and downs with injuries. Uh, KJ Wright is a storied player. Uh, he's come in here and given us leadership and presence and playmaking. And uh, Casey Hayward, you know, he's been one of the top corners in the AFC for several years. So to get those guys to give us not only system intelligence, but leadership uh, is, is really big. They're strong in a meeting room. They're good on the back of the airplane. They're great at halftime on the sidelines, things you don't see that are helping our young team play better. Abram had his best game yesterday. You know, Solomon Thomas. I mean, the front fuels everything. You know, the defensive line is playing well, and we need that to continue. That's John Gruden um, talking uh, yesterday over at the uh, Raiders practice facility. Um, and, you know, Lincoln uh, keeps keep saying this um, in terms of all the various names uh, that he's able to to, to name uh, and to to praise, it, especially defensively. That just hasn't been the case uh, in a long, long time. Um, I thought Jonathan Hankins had a great game uh, on on Sunday. Yeah. You know, Solomon Thomas coming up with the two sacks. Max Crosby uh, still putting pressure on the quarterback. Unique Ngakwe getting pressure on the quarterback. Denzel Perryman, what a find! He's been late in the game. I mean, they, they they traded for him toward the end of training camp. K.J. Wright speaks for himself. Casey Hayward. It's just – it's been a long time since you could just roll off a bunch of players on the defensive side of the ball in good terms and not like, you know, um, this isn't really working. I mean, everybody's contributing, Lincoln. Well, to be honest, I'm, I've read – along those names that you mentioned, I've really been impressed by Corey Littleton's play. Over the yep. last couple of weeks. I mean, look, for what it's worth, K.J. Wright hasn't seen the field a whole lot due to the fact that scheme-wise what the other teams were presenting and not having to go with normal personnel. But he came in huge last week because when Denzel Perryman went, was cramping up and had to go in for an IV, he came in and took over. And, and without, you know, Nick Kukowski in the lineup due to concussion to protocol and stuff like that, you know, that's that's invaluable. When you can you have that type of depth, as you were talking about earlier, Vinny, um, that's that's quite invaluable. No doubt about it. And uh, without further ado, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line and welcome in uh, our friend uh, from over at uh, KTNV here in Las Vegas. Uh, Tina Wynn joins us uh, to spend some time uh, with us in the huddle. Tina, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. So great. How are you guys doing? Thanks for wonderful, having me. Wonderful. We are doing great. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We're big fans. You're doing a great job uh, over there. Um, and so, uh, and it always helps, I'm sure, 
uh, when the Raiders uh, are, are winning, and certainly uh, they are they're doing exactly that. Um, oh, and I yeah. want to go yes, and I want to go here. I want to start here, Tina. Okay. Um, and I asked Eric Carr this question on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Uh, given the two opponents, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, how the schedule played out, coming off a short week on Monday after the Baltimore win, going across country to play Pittsburgh on Sunday, tough opponent, tough road trip. 10 a.m. start, lots of injuries. I don't think there were many people. In fact, I know there weren't many people. You know, I thought the Raiders would be 2-0 and at this point, and certainly not the odds makers. Uh, the Raiders were decided um, underdogs in both of those games. Right. So I'm going to throw it to you. How surprised are you that we're sitting here on Tuesday uh, after two games uh, in the season and the Raiders are 2-0? and Yeah. I will say, after seeing them play on Monday Night Football against the Ravens, especially especially when they were down fourteen uh, to nothing, I'm not shocked, honestly, that this team is two and zero. You know, you just mentioned everyone really had them as an underdog in both of these games. I think this is a team that's really focused. You, you can really tell too, I think, from uh, the press conferences when the guys come and talk. But more importantly, I get the vibe that this team is a team that really believes in themselves. It seems like. They're really blocking out all that noise, especially in the preseason where we were kind of, you know, the big talking point was, hey, you know, will the Raiders have a defense <laughs> this year? This team to me comes off as one right now that's really focused, kind of blocking out of the noise, one that really believes in themselves. And I was just listening to you guys talk about that defense, you know. Um, they went out this offseason, made some changes, added more guys that would bring in more depth, more veteran leadership, and you named a lot of them. But, of course, Amy Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, K.J. Wright, they really did some work to add some veteran leadership and depth to that side of the ball. But, hey, on the flip side of things, they seem to be a team that can really score at any point. Um, there's also just last uh, yesterday, we saw a lot of guys step up. You know, Darren Waller, yes, is the main target. But, hey, Carr is leading a high-powered offense, um, and he's playing at an elite level. So I'm, I'm not too shocked that this team is 2-0, especially after seeing them play Monday Night Football against the Ravens in such a tough um, crazy environment with fans being back in the stands. The Ravens are, you know, who the Ravens are, especially with Lamar Jackson. So I'm not too shocked that they're 2-0. and Happy they're 2-0, and for that's for sure. Tina, what, if anything, has impressed you uh, um, uh, most about the, the fans in Allegiant Stadium? What have you heard around town about people who were there and, 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 and got to take in that excitement? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I will say Monday Night Football against the Ravens. That was my first NFL game to cover. Um, <laughs> I used to work for the NBA. so I've been around a lot of NBA, NBA players, NBA fans, and NBA arenas. But that was my first NFL game to cover. And that was also my kind of like, hey, welcome to Vegas kid <laughs> moment, especially when they were going into overtime and everything. I was um, actually when I went down to meet my photog um, a little bit into uh, – with like four minutes or so remaining in the game. Of course, they go into overtime. So I was there with the fans on the concourse, getting ready to go live right after the game and everything. It was just insane. So it was my first time experiencing Raider Nation, the black hole. The fan base definitely showed up. Um, and they were loud. That was one thing, even just being up in the press box. Extremely loud. Um, Carr, I know, during the preseason was kind of saying, hey, you guys quiet down <laughs> a little bit. But, you know, we saw for a guy like Max Crosby, he fed off of that energy even – the first uh, couple plays in that game, he was, you know, waving his arms up, telling the fans, hey, to get loud, get loud. He loves that. He feeds off of that. So very impressed by this fan base. They're, they're definitely loyal and passionate about their Raiders. 
we're talking to Tina Nguyen uh, from uh, uh, KTNV here in Las Vegas. Uh, Tina, you mentioned the NBA. I covered the NBA a uh, long time in Los Angeles. Um, uh-huh. And I always felt like Staples Center had a very unique vibe that was unlike any arena in the NFL. It almost felt like you were going to uh, a Broadway show. Uh, it was an event yeah. just as much as it was uh, you know, a, a basketball game. And usually the basketball game lived up to all the hype as well. Uh, so I want to take you to Allegiant Stadium because I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vibe at Allegiant Stadium was electric on Monday night. And mm-hmm. I just feel like this is going to grow into sort of a uh, NFL version of Staples Center with a, with a Las yeah. Vegas twist as well, where it's not just a game, it's an event. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that players respond to that. I know fans are responding to it, but what is your f- initial feel on, on what we've seen in Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium and what that can grow into? Yeah, oh my goodness. You talk about, before I came to Vegas, you know, everyone's saying how it's definitely the entertainment capital of the world, but now you look at there are so many sports um, franchises that want to come to Vegas. I think the this is definitely the place to be, of course, the place to be for um, you know a lot of teams. The Raiders coming here, I think, was definitely a good move, and in terms of just what it could turn into, I think it's definitely definitely turned into something special. We got a sneak peek of that on Monday night, especially after that big win. I think the one thing if the Raiders continue to win, ride this momentum, um, I think things can only get better and go up from here. Last one for me, Tina. I got to ask you because, and I'll talk to Vinny about it later. Uh, how do you go up from where that first one was? I mean, you talked about the electricity. I obviously felt it. I've been affiliated with this team for a very long time. It's been very few instances where you had anything like that. I mean, Gladys Knight sings the national anthem. Too short and, oh, yeah. and, and too short and Ice Cube perform at halftime. Too short's from Oakland. He never performed at halftime in Oakland. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, th- those types of things. So, how do you go up from here? What, is, is Celine Dion going to be a part? of it is everyone who's got residency in vegas going to be a part of it i mean how do you go up and go from there yeah we may need to just to go down the list maybe usher <laughs> i know he just had a residency here carrie underwood too yeah yeah i mean I, again vegas is just reminds me a bit of kind of new york you know yeah. all the stars love to come here so we may need just to work our way down that list see who's all <laughs> in the residency and check them off true story <laughs> yeah and, and it sure does help when you go uh hey who can we get for the halftime show let's just go right across the street exactly to the mgm ground or caesar's <laughs> or whoever and just say hey you want to come across the street to come perform at halftime and i guarantee and you're right tina it is a, a new york kind of a feel a los angeles kind of feel where you could just make a call and somebody has to just go across the street and perform and that's what's going to make this so unique and i think the nfl is doing cartwheels uh right now oh, yeah. um, with with how it's all playing out um tina okay so they're two and oh they got the miami yeah. dolphins coming into town uh the miami oh, dolphins yeah. have some issues uh coming off a uh, uh they just they, they got their hats handed to them uh, against the buffalo bills um you know I, i'm getting this question i'm sure you're getting the, uh, this question as well tina um what are the raiders gonna you know come correct are they gonna overlook the the miami dolphins i've got two answers one the Raiders haven't done squat to overlook anybody, and they know that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, yeah. I don't get the sense from this group of players that they're of that kind of mindset. Um, I think they want to push this as far as they can, and I don't care. I don't think they necessarily care who that opponent is. Um, they they have a lot to prove to themselves and to everybody else. So I don't get the sense that anyone's overlooking the Miami Dolphins. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I don't think so either. And again, I think this is a team that's very focused. It's just 
Foster Moreau mentioned it in his press conference, how he mentioned how there's just something different in the air um, with, with this team. So I think going up against Miami, yeah, Tua's status will play a big role in this. Last I heard, what, his x-ray was negative and other tests showed no major issue. But I'm not sure if the quarterback for Miami will matter because, to me, their O-line really hasn't been great. And they're, of course, facing a Raiders team that's, hey, got a defense, a great defense. Max Crosby looks like someone that they may struggle to contain. I think Miami will struggle to move the ball consistently against the Raiders. Um, and I think the Raiders will continue to ride this momentum and go 3-0. And might be a long day for Miami here in Las Vegas. It's still kind of crazy to be talking about the Raiders um, and con- in conjunction with a good defense. I find myself catching my, you almost, you just almost did like we're a defense. That's pretty good. Like, like it's yeah. still, we're still trying to wrap our heads around the fact that they can actually play on that side of the ball and not just play. They're playing pretty darn well. So um, I'm with you. I think that the, the Dolphins offensive line uh, is vulnerable and I think they're yeah. coming up against a really good Raiders defensive line, believe it or not, uh, that that might have its way uh, with them on Sunday. Tina, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Please don't be a stranger. Uh, we'd love to have you come back uh, throughout the season and uh, and share your thoughts and insights because uh, we truly appreciate it. Keep up the great work uh, over at the uh, over at KTNV. That's Channel 13, the local ABC affiliate. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, Tina. Thanks, Tina. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Take care. You too. That's Tina Nguyen from cool. KTNV here in Las Vegas, Channel 13, the local ABC affiliate. You could follow her uh, at T-T-I-N-A-N-G-U-Y-E-N. I'm just going to spell it out uh, on Twitter. Uh, she's a great follow, and she does a great job uh, over yes, at does. Channel 13. Um, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now back to your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Going to go right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Um, Gangster Raider is on the line. How you doing, Gangster Raider? First thing I want to say, I want everybody in the Raider Nation to go online and vote for Derek Carr for... um, ground player, I mean, air player of the week, he dominated, but we got to vote for him. So everybody in Raider Nation, go to, go. to you can either go to RaiderNation.com or FedEx.com and vote for Derek Carr for um, this week's air player of the week so we can um, get him some recognition for the play he's um, been doing the last, the first two weeks of the season. And also what I want to say is this defense, man, this defense got me pumped. You know what I'm saying? For the, at first I was feeling confident before the season started, I wasn't, you know, worried about the defense like I usually am, especially the secondary and our linebacker core. But the way they played the first two games, I'm really, really impressed. And, and Gus Bradley, man, he, he deserves a award or something already. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But also, I'm, cause my major concerns are the, are the offensive line and um, – the offensive line and our running back, our running game. If we can get those two clicking, I think we'll be unstoppable. And, Vinny, you know you from L.A. Well, you, you've been out here in L.A. You know the next two games we got against Miami and um, the Chargers. Them two, two, two games we lost last year that kept us from being out the playoffs. Remember the Miami game and the um, Charger game and, um, in Vegas? Them two games, I think, stopped us from going to the playoffs, and we played them coming up. We got Miami coming um, to the Black House this week. Then we go on Monday night. 
we go to our vacation home in SoFi and tell them, <laughs> you know how you know how the Raider Nation take over in L.A. It's going to be like a home game on Monday Night Football. And if we win both those games, we start off 4-0, and then we got Khalil Mack and the Teddy Bears coming into the Black House. And once we smash them, he's going to wish he was still here. You know what I'm saying? He's going to come in with his crappy Teddy Bears team coming into the Raider Nation's um, new, 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 brand new stadium. You know what I'm saying? And then he's going to be with his crappy team. We're going to be 4-0. And then once we beat them, he's going to be leaving with his head down. He's like, I could have been a part of this. The Raiders undefeated at 5-0. and And look, now I'm here with this teddy bear jersey on, and I could have been in the silver and black. But you know what I'm saying? I want you to speak on that, Vinny. And also tell, tell everybody to go vote for Derek Carr for um, this week's Air Player of the Week. Raider Nation can do it. You know, ain't nobody roll like the Raider Nation. Let's go. Raiders! You got it, <laughs> it Gangster Raider. Uh, you heard the man. Uh, go, go, do, uh, go do what he said. Uh, in terms of that, in terms of that vote, um, Lincoln, uh, it's it's really interesting to me. The Raiders had five sacks through the first um, two games, all from their defensive line, and uh, you know two from Solomon Thomas on uh, on, on Sunday. I think he was a, a really shrewd signing, um, you know, to to add to the to the defensive line. And you know what's so interesting about that is when you look at the way um, the way go- Gus Bradley is going about it in two games, Lincoln. He's had all of three blitzes, uh, so he's relying, as we all knew that he would, on that front four to get it done. And uh, a lot of credit to Unique Gakwe, a lot of credit, obviously, uh, to, to Max Crosby, but a lot of credit, too, to Carl Nassib. I thought he's come uh, alive this season and is playing good football. Um, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins, Darius Phylon um, as well, so this we've talked about this Lincoln. This is a deep group. It's a talented group. It's a versatile group, and they're all uh, pitching in. And I give Gus Bradley a lot of credit, but also Rod Marinelli a lot of credit because I know he's had a big say in in some of these personnel pickups. And everyone seems to be buying in Lincoln. And the fact that they're getting it done right now without having to dial up any blitzes just makes it all the more better because now you could drop seven players uh, in pass coverage and have that blanketed back there as well. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. And look, we knew all along when they had the free agent signings and all the acquisitions they had, uh, even when they included Gerald McCoy, how packed that defensive line room was. And they went out and they still drafted Malcolm Kuntz uh, to to add to the depth and hopefully bringing him along. But look, we saw it firsthand, not yesterday, Sunday, where the rotation became invaluable. It wasn't much of a drop-off. If Jonathan Hankins got, got winded on a long drive, you bring in Darius Phylon. You see what I'm saying? Or, or, yeah. or the fact that you had Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas being able to rotate in there um, and be, be aggressive. The, the level that Max Crosby has played on has created an energy amongst the defensive line that everybody's feeding off of. You know, I, I, give, I give Yannick, I tip my hat to Ngakwe because that hamstring, he still didn't have the, the takeoff like he normally does. So it's still, you know, it's still a work in progress. But the fact that he went out there and he gave it his all. It was only in rush, pass rush situations a lot of times, but he gave it his all. And starting to see, I think that's kind of waking up, you know, Cleveland Farrell. He, he, he went out there and he was solid in what he had to do. But when you look at this defense, the key to this style of defense is generating a pass rush with four guys, not having to blitz a lot. You're going to have outside corners are going to be pressed on the receivers. You're going to have usually one safety deep in the hole, and you're going to have another one who's kind of roaming. 
Um, and But you have your linebackers and everybody chips in on the coverage, as you mentioned, especially the underneath. But you've got to generate a pass rush. You've got to make that quarterback feel uncomfortable. And these outside ends, the way they rush, the angle that they rush on each, especially these gun quarterbacks, makes them step up. And all of a sudden, now they're looking at the rush rather than looking downfield. Or you saw Roethlisberger, you know, he's a hard target to bring down, but you saw the fact that he, 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 he felt it too. He, he felt the pressure around him. So it's a great sign. It's something that we haven't had here in a long time. Yeah, we, we, we've uh, you know, mentioned this before. Last year, 14 sacks total. Right for the defensive line. They've got five already. And that's, again, like we said, without uh, having to, to dial up any blitzes. I do think they're going to introduce some blitzing uh, along the way. But what's so great about how they're getting it done right now is they don't have to sell out on the blitz right. because they have to. Right. They're going to be able to strategically use that. And as of right now, there's such minimal amount of uh, game film on what it is that they're going to try to do eventually to me, there's, they're going to be able to surprise teams with it um, and just use it strategically and not have to overdo it. Um, but, you know, you're right. It ha- it's been such a long time since they had a consistent, you know, pass rush and, and, and you know, versatile guys. But I want to bring you back to Clee Farrell. Um, you know, uh, obviously his his numbers are going down in terms of the snaps. I, I forgot how many. It was probably 20 maybe um, on, on Sunday. So still not a, a lot of action, and that's in spite of, you know, uh, Unique not being 100%. But that's just the way it goes sometimes. And, and right now, um, he's got to fight to get back on the field because, frankly, Lincoln, there's a lot of guys right now that are playing good football down there. There's no, you know, other than to give guys a spell to, to um, you know, make sure guys get through games uh, and not get winded or overly utilized. Other than that, there's really no need uh, for Cleve Farrell. These guys are playing good in front of him. He's well, going to have to fight yeah. his way out of it. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. He's going to have to figure out a way of turning it on. But just being a part of the rotation is still a plus. I mean, the fact is, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I honestly feel that he's got potential to play within this defense. He can go out there and make plays. And they, and they need that full rotation. Uh, you know, speaking of the, the blitzing concept, well, the fact is that for two weeks in a row, We've watched two teams sell out on an all-out blitz, and both of them got burned. You yep. see what I'm saying? And both, and it turned out to be the game winner for for both games. Um, and I, you know, so pushing forward, I doubt very soundly if you're going to have teams that are going to sell out, especially with what the way Derek's playing and the speed they have on the outside. But that, but that being said, for our defense, in the sense of where they can go, potentially. They don't need a blitz because right now they're doing outstanding. And so when you do have a blitz or have to have a blitz, a lot of times though you have to go back to preseason and say, oh, well, they've got this, they've got this one safety blitz or they've got this corner blitz, uh, you know, things like that. Blitz only a few times so far. They haven't had to. and They've been able to keep defenses on, I mean, offenses on their heels. And, you know, I uh, also don't want to, um, you know, like, like minimize or, or downplay. You know, when we say, oh, they're getting, you know, uh, pass pressure or, or uh, rush pressure, with four guys, it's not like it's just, you know, mano a mano guy, this guy's playing, you know, uh, beating that guy, and and, and so that's happening as well. But I'm seeing a lot of unique formations, a lot of unique alignments, a lot of unique um, uh, sort of uh, stunts that they're doing. Uh, so there's a very, there's a creative element uh, with how he rushes his four players. It's not just, hey, go go after the quarterbacks, line up on your guy, win your battle, and, and, and go do it. There's a lot that they're doing down there as well. It's been, it's been creative. Yeah, it's been impressive. 
Um, and they, and I think because of the energy that, that they played at and the level that they've been playing at consistently and collectively, you have you can afford that. You can do that. You can be creative. I mean, we've seen there various times, like even with the Steelers, what we call a joker formation where they have their end, and most times it's T.J. Watt. This time when he went out, it was Melvin Ingram, kind of walk around, you know, to make make offensive lines have to be alert. And it was it was a great experience for someone like Andre James because now the, if defenses do that, you know what to look for. But conversely, our defense has done some similar things and being creative with with where they're lining up Crosby, how they're running their games, all just seeing what can happen, what can transpire, what you can get out of it. And if anything, it's making offenses have to have to uh, prepare for that much more. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's, it's it's really interesting to see the evolution right now uh, of this defense. It's really interesting to see a guy like Jonathan Abram um, having some legit success right now. Uh, we've we've talked about the role that he's playing and. Lincoln, it just sure seems like he's taken to that role uh, pretty seamlessly. Yes, I agree. And agree. we're going like to talk it. about that when we get back. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. It's brought to you by Tequila in Bahadur. It is a Tuesday. The Raiders are uh, off today. They will be get back. They'll finally get back to work on a regular work week uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, we'll have a better idea of where Richie Incognito is, of where Alex Leatherwood is. The Raiders did just sign. Um, a, uh, an offensive lineman, Jackson Barton, off of the Giants practice squad and put him on the 53-man roster. No corresponding move uh, yet. They're going to have to cut somebody um, when that happens, uh, when it becomes official. So, um, obviously, the Raiders need some depth on the offensive line with these slew of injuries. I'm not sure what to make of that in terms of, does that mean Alex Leatherwood is out? We don't know. I uh, don't want to be premature on that, but we'll have a better idea. Certainly tomorrow, it looks like Josh Jacobs is going to be out one more game against the Miami Dolphins. My thinking on that is give him the, as, as much time as he needs to get right because the Raiders are going to need him uh, for the balance of the season. And if you can win along the way, all the better. We'll talk to you on the other side.